Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of All Protein Weekly with me, Sonali Figueres, um, editor and founder-in-chief of Green Queen and my co-host, Steve Molino, um, partner at Clear Current Capital. Hey, Steve. Hey, Sonali. How are you? Doing good. Another good week. A lot to talk about this week. <laughs> yeah, overall, still a little quiet um, in terms of volume of news, but but there's always some some big headlines to discuss. So let's dive right in. Um, this week, our big story is Perfect Day, the pioneering precision fermentation company has announced that it is essentially shutting down its consumer facing arm and choosing to focus only on its B2B business. Um, this affects a bunch of its homegrown brands, including ice cream, and cake mix brand Brave Robot, cream cheese brand Modern Kitchen, sports nutrition company California Performance Co., and Cool House, uh, an indie ice cream brand that it acquired and then uh, launched in Asia and 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 that still has a, biz a retail business in the U.S. Um, the company has also said that it is it has laid off 15% of its staff um, and the company has said that it is in, that it's India-based manufacturing business will be unaffected by the downsizing, whereas it's likely that Hong Kong and Singapore is mostly closed because those were retail-facing businesses. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, one thing that's very clear is that investors are very down on CPG. So... The, I, I, there's a lot of difficulty that Perfect Day is having to go through with all of this. Like laying off staff is always unbelievably hard and, and closing down things that you've been working on for a while. Like that's that's very difficult. Um, but I found it interesting because you and I had even talked about this. Some of the original stories made it seem like this was a positive and like they were choosing this and and they were saying, well, at, the, at our core, we're a B2B ingredient platform. So we want to focus on what we're good at. The reality is, though, like with as we've seen with other stories that have come out, they are going to need to raise money at some point, and they're probably trying to do that right now. And investors are clearly saying, stop focusing on the things that are not core to what this business should be, which is the CPG side. And they're, in essence, being forced to sell off the distractions. And I'm not saying that Brave Robot or Cool House or Modern Kitchen or any of that, I'm not saying that they're bad CPG businesses. I have no idea what they look like from a unit economic standpoint or a growth standpoint. They might be good. They might be bad. I have no idea. But clearly big investors are saying you are a platform for ingredients. Uh, stop having so much of your burn, your burn rate coming from CPG. Let someone else deal with that. Let them build that business. It's a totally different business. So um yeah, I, I find it interesting because the, sto the storytelling is just like very yeah. back and forth, but the reality is CPG. Well, well, it's, it is extremely interesting for myself because I obviously cover Asia very closely. And so so just for people who are not following the story closely, the, the news broke on AgFunder. Um, Ryan Panday, the co-founder and CEO, had a, an interview with, with uh, the reporter at AgFunder, Elaine, and basically said that the companies decided to change directions and, you know, really focusing on their core B2B business, which was always their intention. 
and that they've tried the brands, which, which was a way to show potential B2B clients what could be done with their, their you know, precision fermentation whey protein. And, and, and now that that was achieved, well, you know, no need to continue these businesses and, and you know, let them refocus on what they're doing, which was very positive. And I, it was interesting on social media, you know, the, the, the news was welcomed with huge congratulations to the founders that they were making a great decision. And, and, and surely they are, but there are a lot of other factors in the story. So that story didn't include the layoffs. Um, and the other thing that's interesting is that because I'm, we're Asia based and we follow the Asia businesses really carefully, I can tell you that, you know, Perfect Day was in the middle of launching its Cool House um, ice cream containing its precision fermentation whey in Hong Kong. They had just, you know, launched it in convenience stores and 7-Elevens, and then they had launched it in grocery stores just at the end of May, and there were more activities planned as far as I knew. And so that does not seem to me, to me, that's a sign that like this was somewhat of a sudden decision um, because yeah, those, those teams were in the middle of marketing exercises. And certainly in Singapore, I think new flavors were coming out. So it just, that's one thing. And the other thing that's really important to note is that the company I don't believe has raised since 2021. So my question is, you know, what's the runway? And, and if, if they are raising, I, I mean, I, it's very clear, you know, that the CEO gave kind of a, a quote about different level of focus that invest, investors are expecting with their capital. And just to me, reading between the lines, you know, they, they may have an investor lined up who's saying, I'm not interested in, you know, spending money on CPG because of course CPG involves, you know, marketing dollars. And I just want, I just want to produce and scale and, and I want to see you guys just focus on B2B. So you know, there's the story that the CEO is saying, and and then of course certain things you can pick up from, from you know, a few other facts. Yeah, I mean, I fully agree. And I mean, they they raised three hundred fifty million dollars in their last round in twenty twenty one, and I guarantee if another three hundred fifty million was at the table right now and allowed them to keep the CPG business, they'd be doing it because it's it's. It's a, a, those are cool businesses. It's a way to get their products into the hands of consumers or their, their hard, hard earned precision fermentation way into the hands of consumers. But yeah, I mean, big time investors are now saying like, be the B2B ingredient company that you're, you were originally trying to be, let someone else build this company. So sure. uh, I, 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 I can appreciate trying a story that's positive and it seems like it was intentional, but it is a little like, a day yeah, or two later, story comes out. <laughs> Let's <laughs> right? also not forget that Perfect Day was really one of the first precision fermentation dairy protein companies. So they did have this pioneering role to play, and in many ways, they were the first to bring product to market and 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 kind of have that consumer relationship. And you know, they're probably one of the only companies that is responsible for any consumers at all knowing what precision fermentation uh, dairy even is. So it's just, it's interesting, right? Because on one hand, you can look at it strategically as letting go of the CPG business. But on the other hand, this was a company creating a new category, creating a new technology for products based on a new technology that consumers really didn't necessarily understand and probably still don't really um, so there was almost, you know, a role, responsibility, if you will, to 
to engage with those consumers. Yeah, no, that's a great point. They're pioneers. They, they truly are pioneers in the space. And I think it's it is it's a it's a I think it's a positive development for the industry because it shows that now we're getting to a point where um, we could let different businesses be separate. Like you don't have to be the the ingredient producer and provider and create the CPG business. That's generally not how it's done. Um, like if you look at like Nestle, General Mills, all those are the big CPG players in the world with many brands. They're not always managing the entire supply chain. Um, so uh, it's it's good to see that we're kind of getting to a point, even on a small scale, where the the ingredient producers are focusing on that, and then we'll let the true marketers and CPG operators create businesses businesses around these new ingredients indeed and just just as an add-on to that it is a brutal funding environment right now pitchbook mm -hmm. has just released some data showing that global investment into alt protein this includes plant-based cultivated and fermentation as well as insect i do want to i do want to call that out is at its lowest point since uh q2 2018 so it, it's not an easy time to raise. It's not if, but it is if you are still an amazing founder with an amazing company. Um, <laughs> <Is that laughs> so right? what I mean by that is like, I can tell you firsthand, and we're looking at a couple of deals that are very similar to this, where the average companies or the not great ones, they're having a really difficult time. The really good founders with the really good companies, it is hyper, hyper competitive with from like from investors trying to get into those rounds. I haven't seen this type of competition in in a while. And I think it's because the the tourist investors have left. They're not focusing on this anymore. So the ones who know the space, they really can see when there's a good company in front of them. And um, so while a lot of companies are having to decrease their round sizes or decrease their valuations and make the terms more attractive, I can tell you truly the the good companies are are not having an issue, which is good. That's that's how it should be. All right. Well, you heard it here first. I love that tourist investors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> the smarter money is is going for the smarter founders. So basically, what you're saying is it's as it should be, and all the excess rubbish is out of the market. So maybe this is a good thing. I don't know. Um, it is a good thing. It is. I mean, <laughs> go back to twenty twenty one, and like there are companies getting getting funded that I I did not understand at all why they were getting funded, and within all of that environment, there were still some really good companies, but there was so much capital flowing into this space that it was just I don't want to say dumb money, but it was tourist. They were kind of just seeing if they could get into the alt protein space and get a little exposure. Um, but it's it's better now, I, I think. Harder, but but better. Um, but on a separate note, you what did you what did you think was interesting this week? Um, I think I have a a soft spot for a story. I, I'm a little bit obsessed with the cocoa supply chain just globally. We've been covering it at Green Queen for years. Um it, it it's a really you know, cocoa or cacao, depending on how you call it, is an incredibly important food, an incredibly important commodity. Chocolate is, you know, something that everyone in the world is is eating and loves. And it's it's very, everything from like a, an everyday food for, for candy bars to a luxury food for bean to bar versions. And, and it's a supply chain that's extremely stressed. 
Um, not only does has it always been mired in, in issues around surrounding deforestation and and labor um, ethics, you know, a lot of cocoa involves child labor, um, even from you know huge names. But climate change is really reducing the amount of arable land that is adapted to growing cocoa. So this story about the UK-based Win-Win Food Labs who are creating essentially chocolate without cacao is really interesting. So they they won best demo at a at a Hagen startup innovation and they they debuted eight different products. One of them was sort of using their chocolate as a cover for a for an ice cream stick, you know, like a mm -hmm. magnum. And it's just really impressive. I've I've been lucky enough to try their products as they've grown. So the first one, the second one, third one, I just tried recently two of their latest products and it, it's just really, really impressive. And I'm expecting a lot more in this space, in the cacao free space yeah. and, and relatedly in the coffee free coffee space. Yeah, no, I this one stood out to me too. And it's actually interesting. I was going to combine this one with with another another item in the newsletter which was around uh, mycotechnology, the company mycotechnology, they created a sugar alternative using fungi, right? So I, I won't get into the details there, but it, it's a sugar alternative, but it's not sugar. Just like Win-Win Food Labs is creating a cocoa alternative, but it's not cocoa. And also for any listeners out there, I have no idea if it's cocoa or cacao. I'm sure it's based on where you're from, but like, let us know. What do you, how do you, how do you say cocoa or cacao? Um, but I really think, that whether it's mycotechnology creating an alt sugar that's not sugar or win-win food labs creating a, a cocoa that's not cocoa i i've been seeing this as an investor in the space i've been looking at companies and more and more i've been seeing companies that are saying we're not trying to create the bioidentical thing to what exists already so whether it's casein or whey protein or albumin in eggs or or cocoa or sugar they're saying we love the functionality of those things or what they offer, but maybe we could get that functionality somewhere else. Maybe it's not the, it doesn't have to be bioidentical, molecularly identical. Maybe it could just be functionally identical or even functionally superior. And I really, really like that idea because it can expand what we look at as options within the food system. Um, and it has to make sense, right? Like if you want an omelet, then yeah, you probably want it to be pretty molecularly identical or, or just give you that exact same experience. But if you want chocolate, a chocolate bar, and Win-Win Food Labs can create a cocoa-free chocolate, but it tastes the same, but it's better for the environment and everything else that you mentioned, then why not? So I, I think it's a cool trend that I'm seeing. Love it. Yeah. The entire food chain needs alternatives and you know just resilience so it's it's an exciting place to be mm -hmm. so what, what 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 was your positive story of the week yeah the positive story was we have it in the the more startup news section of the newsletter but it's us-based precision fermentation company liberation labs has broken ground officially on its first production facility and this facility is going to have 600,000 liters of capacity. So at the high level, we, we know, or people in the space know, we need tons of capacity. 
we went on a little bit of a rant last week on the the infrastructure need for this space and this th that hits on this so 600,000 liters may seem small compared to the billions of liters we probably need but the reality is we need to start somewhere and this is a great place to start not only because it's it's new capacity but it's also because liberation is taking a cmo approach so they're not growing they're not creating their own proteins and selling it themselves they are like like a co-man it's like a co-manufacturer but for precision fermentation so now this is going to be a resource for precision fermentation companies who they want to scale but they're not ready to do it themselves with their own facility and they can leverage someone like liberation lab so i i love this i think it's going to help the space and again we need to start somewhere and it's starting so ground has been broken and i like that so congrats to the liberation team i love it yeah and it's it's really it's really exciting i think precision fermentation remains such an exciting technology and i'm i'm thrilled to hear that there's more capacity for people to create proteins and 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 scale a dairy remains something we really need to to yeah to we need to change that supply chain it's it's very problematic 100%. and just being 100%. in europe um this summer i've just realized how addicted people are to dairy they really are i mean europeans are such huge consumers of dairy going to the supermarkets here and seeing just it's it's wild it's such a huge part of people's daily life um, I, it, and, yeah, and it's funny because you're even saying like, you were just saying you're, you're, you're in Europe right now. You're, you're traveling in Europe and you're saying, weren't you saying like how immensely hot it is? Like you can't even go outside. Right. So you think people would stop eating, eating, eating meat. And dairy, no, right? Yeah. That connection could not be less clear here. Um, Europe, I was reading coverage this morning on the weather. So yeah, Europe is experiencing massive amounts of heat waves, Southern Spain, Italy, um, Greece and, and many other places. And, you know, in many ways, this coverage was was suggesting that Europe has already crossed the two degree increase in temperature threshold that, you know, we're trying to avoid by 2030 for, you know, globally on average for the world. Um, and so, yeah, Europe, Europe weather is completely upended and changing. And, and I just don't see that connection between, you know, the changing weather and how hot it is and how it, it's just, I mean, today there are records in France's Alps in the mountains and, and Pyrenees mountains, you know, I mean, that's, that's not traditionally a very hot area. Um, and, and I just don't think people are connecting the dots with their really high dairy consumption and with, with these rising temps. It's just people yeah. are, are not clear. And, and that's that's on us in the media. We need to do better. We really do. Um, but, but that's also yeah. the whole reason why this space exists, right? Because like, yeah, maybe some people eat differently, eat more sustainably. But like, to your point, people in Europe, you're seeing it firsthand. It's super hot, but they're not they're not stopping their consumption of meat and dairy. So the whole entire point of alternative proteins, of sustainable food is, okay, if people aren't going to change and they want to eat what they want to eat, then let's give them what they want, but make it in the background more sustainable. And that's that's a very, very simplistic way to think about it, but that is the thesis. So um, it's that's that's why we're here. But I mean, in the meantime, 
you got to figure out a way to enjoy your time in Europe without getting scorched, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's still crazy. it's still a charming place. Yeah, yeah. Um, on that note, charming from the inside, looking out the windows. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna leave everyone with that. On that note, um, quick quick housekeeping. Uh, we're gonna be on summer break next week, so there won't be a newsletter and there won't be uh, a live edition. But we'll be back on August third. Uh, both with the newsletter and uh, with Steve and myself to to hit up more exciting alt-protein headlines. We will talk to you then. Talk to you then. Thanks so much, Steve. All the best. <laughs>